This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Well, praise you, God. Because we have your presence. And even much more than that, Father, you've given us your word. And as we navigate through your word this morning, our hearts will be inspired. Our soul will be blessed. And Father, even much more, we will grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the, I'm yet to experience what the 24 elders in heaven experiences every moment. I'm yet to experience it. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that the 24 elders, they're always on their face, but they've got seats. And according to the scriptures, it, it feels like they find no time, they have no time to even sit on their seats. Because every now and again, they fall down before the throne of God and worship and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth. You see, and it, that, that's not what we're studying today, but, but I just feel that at times we just need to feel the presence of God in a way that you're so inundated by God's presence that you don't really know what else to do but just to be before him and just worship him much more. I was traveling back from Brisbane yesterday in the train. I was studying something, and, you know, one of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today, and I could hardly sit myself down. I, I was screaming in my spirit. I had someone else who was traveling with me, and he was on the phone, but halfway through, he kept looking at me thinking, what's wrong with him? But in my spirit, I was just like, God, come on. This is good. This is good. And I hope I'm able to share that same feeling and excitement with you this morning. But much more than that, to share God's word with you. And what I'm talking about today is not only just going to be for today. I think we're going to be having about two or three, uh, you know, a series of uh, two or three services. And it's uh, titled, A People of Prophecy. A people of prophecy. You know, I'm not quite sure, but possibly some of us have had uh, the negative uh, experience about prophecy. So when you hear about prophecy, you kind of cringe. But there are some who have not even had any experience about prophecy. But can I say to you that what is causing you to sit here right now is prophecy. Because you are a people of promise. Praise God. You are a people of promise. And this is what God spoke to Abraham about. And interestingly, he said in his word that the true Israelites are not just the children of Abraham, but it's you. Let, let's have a look at that. Romans chapter 9, verse 6. Are you there? It says, It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. How interesting. So not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants 
Are they all Abraham's children? That's exciting. Say, so on the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And that's what the word says. It says, in other words, it's not the children by physical descent that are God's children, but it's the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. So today you can look at yourself and go, you know what? I'm a child of Abraham. I'm God's child. Because God said to Abraham, through you shall all families of the earth be blessed. And because we are children of promise, through the lineage of Isaac, we're children of prophecy. Because Isaac was a child of prophecy. You remember? Yeah. Isaac was a child of prophecy. At the age of 90, God came to Abraham and said, you're going to have a child. He said, oh, but I'm old. He said, you're going to have a child. Okay. And God took him out, outside and uh, asked him to look at the sky at night. He saw all the stars. He said, can you start counting? And the guy, you know, like me, Stupidly started counting. How much can you count out of the stars? At the point where he gave up and said, um, can count. And God said, so shall your children be. Hallelujah. In other words, they're innumerable. So anyone who comes to Jesus today becomes a child of God but in the order of the promise given to Abraham. Because we are all children of prophecy. Praise God. So, talking about prophecy, there are two types of prophecy. You know, we've heard about the idea of prophets in the Old Testament. And even in our day, we've heard about uh, people who possibly have the title prophets. That's not the one we're talking about today. We're talking about you being a person of prophecy. You having the capacity to prophesy. Do you think you have the, you have the capacity to prophesy as a child of God? I don't expect you to say yes yet. But probably after this after looking through this together, you probably might be able to agree or disagree if you want to. But the Bible tells us that no eye has seen, nor ear heard, neither has it come into the hearts of a human what God has proposed for them that love him. But he didn't stop there. He said, but he has shown it to us by his spirit. I like that part. You see, at times it's enough for us to just go, uh, no eye has seen, no ear heard, neither has it, you know, uh, come into the hearts of men what God has proposed for them that love him. Uh, at times we're satisfied with that. We don't know what God has got for us. We don't know what God has got for us. But no, 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 no. As a child of God, there is an indication. You know. You should know. That's what the Bible says because he has shown it to us by his spirit. You want to see it? 
Okay, let's have a quick look at it. That's not where we're going, but let's have a quick look. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us. Did you see that? These are the things. The things I had not seen, no ear heard, neither has it come into human understanding. These are the things God has what? Has revealed. He didn't say he will reveal. He said he has revealed it to us. By what? By his spirit. Not through our mindset, not through our senses, but by his spirit. By his spirit. So the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thought of God except the spirit of God. And the next one, what did he say? What we have received is not the spirit of the word, but the spirit who is from God. So that means he's given us the capacity to understand the mind of God. So we're going to start exploring what it means to speak God's mind as God's people. And that is why you identify yourself as a person of prophecy. Praise God. So, so why am I so special? Well, the Bible says you're special. You're a chosen generation. Isn't it? Because yeah. you're a chosen generation. So, so why? Why would God show me all these things? Why would he dis- deposit such knowledge inside me? Because you're chosen. You're special. First Peter 2.9. You're special. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Called for, to show, called for to show the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We talked about a few of that last week. But because you're special, he's made you special. So there's nothing that is too good for you. Or say to someone, there's nothing that is too good for you. You know, it's, it's in our mind at times you just go, oh, well, I can't do that because I don't have the capacity or I don't have the specialty. But there's nothing that is too good for you. Don't ever think that there's nothing that you, can, you cannot achieve. When you set your mind to it, backed by the Spirit of God, there is nothing you cannot achieve. There's nothing. First and foremost, don't forget the idea that the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it. And you are a child of the Lord who owns everything. So is there anything you can ask your father for? The Bible says, whatsoever you shall ask the father in my name, Jesus was speaking, in my name, he shall give it to you. That's what he says. And you know why we continue to speak this way? Because I want your faith to grow to the point where the devil cannot deceive you of God's promises for your life. They cannot cheat you out of it. You may be down today, but the more you, you build God's word in your heart, you, you start to realize that you can't be kept down forever. Amen. Amen. So we're, we're talking about prophecy. So there are two kinds of prophecy. There's what they call foretelling and the other one is foretelling. Foretelling, F-O-R-E, telling. And foretelling, F-O-R-T-H, telling. So foretelling is not fortune telling. It's not palm reading. 
It's not any of those zodiac reading signs and silly things. No, it's not. But foretelling is to tell ahead of time things in the mind of God regarding people. Things, places, events. And how do you get to know that? We'll tell you in a minute. Now, foretelling is to speak forth what is in God's mind. Because through his spirit, we understand what he's already established for us. Through his spirit. And because we are not ordinary people, we are not ordinary people. I don't want to put that on you, but hey, I know I'm not ordinary. I'm a child of God. And that's bigger than the world to understand. Amen. I'm a child of God. And so are you. Whether you know it or not, you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You became a child of God right that very moment. But you see, the worst thing that the devil can do to you is to keep holding you back from knowing who you are. And when he holds you back from knowing who you are, you will always want it to make sense to your mind. It's true. It cannot, it really would not make normal human sense. Because our human ability to understand is limited. We are limited. In a sense, we are limited. We don't even know too much about ourselves, you know that. We are limited. But God helps us to understand by his spirit. All right, let, let's just keep going. And I just thought to establish a few foundations before I actually go into what I'm talking about as people of prophecy. Now, in the book of Acts, if you remember, um, the Bible tells us about the day of Pentecost. You remember the day of Pentecost? How that about 120 disciples of Jesus were gathered together in the upper room, and all of a sudden, there was sound like mighty rushy wind that came into the house, and they were all filled with, um, with the Spirit of God. And they all started speaking in other, other tongues. And then people around who came for different festivals, actually for the Feast of Pentecost, they came around the, the house because they heard a whole lot of noise, people making noises. And they thought, let's go look at them. Who are those? So they came and saw these guys speaking in different languages. And one could say, well, I, I can hear them speaking in my language. Irish, Polish, um, Ugandan, French, whatever. They all heard them speaking in their own languages. But one other thing that they noticed was that this was not ordinary because they knew that these guys didn't have the capacity to speak in different languages. And possibly the way they, they carried on felt like, oh, man, <laughs> This is not ordinary. And they presumed that they were drunk. And Peter stood up and said, we aren't drunk, brethren. We're not drunk. This is what God has promised. Say to someone, this is what God has promised. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. You there. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. 
as you suppose. You know how people jump into conclusions very quickly. But he said, we're not drunk as you suppose. Because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. There are people who are drunk at 9 in our, life, in our day. Actually, the, the drink that they had the previous night is still effective the following morning. Oh, man, the world has so gone too far. All right. He said, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Did he say on a few? Did he say on those people who really are close to God? No, he said on all people. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will what? Prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will do what? Will dream dreams because the old men will be sleeping too much. Uh, not really. All right. So even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. But there's something here that is not said. He didn't say, in those days, I will pour my spirit upon everyone, and they will become prophets. He didn't say that. But instead, he said, they will prophesy. So this idea of prophesying is not in the office of someone as a prophet. I was still here. I know this is possibly too steep for some of us, but it's okay. Just follow me. At some point, you get it. And if you don't get it in this service, listen to that same message again and again and again. You probably might get it. And if you've got questions, let's have a chat. All right. So your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. So I'll just quickly say that there are two kinds of gifts to the church. You know, they are the five-fold ministry, which is the apostle, prophet, teacher, what else? Pastor, and Evangelist. Okay, so these are the five main offices that Jesus gave to the church. And then there are the gifts of ministry, and those gifts of ministry is a gift of teaching, healing, generosity, and so on and so forth. So there are about seven of those gifts. But you see, most times we think, well, both of them are gifts. Both of them are not gifts the way we think about them. Now, the gifts, okay, let, let's do it this way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So in other words, Christ has given us different measure of grace. Okay, so the grace that is, effective for you, the grace that you can carry. So to some, he gave a little portion. To some, he gave more. All right? So as Christ apportioned it, grace has been given to us. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And gave what? Gift to who? His to his people. He gave gifts to his people. So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. 
To do what? Let's do verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Stop there. So Christ gave apostles, and the prophets, teachers, and evangelists to the people to equip the people, to equip the church, to build the church up. So can I say this, that the gift is not about the title. The gift is not about um, what the person is doing. The gift is the person. Are you still here? The gift is the person. The Bible says he gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave uh, evangelists and pastors to build the church up. All right. So let, let's see if we can make, it, make sense of it in this way. You see Paul, the apostle, he was not Paul the apostle at the very beginning. He was Saul who crucified the church. But that guy from the very beginning was anointed. He didn't know it. He was a gift to the body of Christ. He didn't know it. God could have given up on him, but there was too much inside of him to let him go. And he presented so many opportunities for him to receive Jesus. He did not receive. He did not even identify that it was a calling for him until Jesus stopped him on his way. Pushed him off the camel or whatever he was on. Blinded his eyes just to get his attention. I've been calling you. Come on. I've been calling you. And he says, who are you, Lord? He says, Jesus, whom you are crucifying. I've called you. And that is why at times I tell some of you, I say, God is, God is going to use you regardless of how far you run. He is going to use you. And when he's ready for you, he will come get you. <laughs> no matter how much you run or how far you run, because he's so invested so much inside of you to just let you go. So for some of you, you are a gift to the body of Christ. So that's what he's saying, that Paul was a gift to the body of Christ as an apostle. And there are some who were gifts to the body of Christ as prophets. For example, Samuel was a gift to Israelites. Right? He was, he was a prophet. So it was a gift. He was born a prophet. Okay? He was a promised child. He was born a prophet. Also, what's his name? Uh, Elijah. The same thing. Elisha. You might not identify that he was born a prophet, but there was a gift inside of him until he made contact with Elijah. And Elijah said, he didn't even call him, but there was, uh, there was something happening with both of their spirits, if you study it. And you realize that Elisha all of a sudden stood up and followed Elijah. And Elijah turned around and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm coming with you. I'm putting every other thing aside. I'm selling my oxen. I'm selling my business, and I'm coming with you. I said, no, you don't have to. He said, no, I'm coming with you. As long as I leave, and as long as you leave, I'm coming with you. That's trouble. But you see, later, he became one of, one of the most known prophets in the, in the Old Testament, Elisha. Elisha died in his grave Someone else who was dead uh, in a hurry, they couldn't bury the person because it was wartime. 
and they threw that person into Elisha's grave. Elisha was already dead. They threw that person into Elisha's grave, and that person woke up. How interesting. The anointing upon a man. So I've, I've said that to say that God places these people in our churches to build up the body of Christ. So I cannot tell you right now how, who of you is an apostle, a prophet, or a teacher, or something else that God has put in this church as a gift to this church. I can tell you. But your time will come when you start to operate in that office. Not because you've only just learned, but because you've always been a gift. And the purpose for which you are a gift is to build up the body of Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. You see, here again, it's talking about according to the grace given to us, according to the measure of faith, of grace given to us. He said, we have different gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Let's stop there for a minute. If your gift is prophesying, what does it say? Then prophesy in accordance with your faith. In other words, if your gift is prophesying, prophesy to the level of your faith. If your gift is given, give to your capacity. Right? So that's basically what it's saying. The next part there, here. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So in other words, this gift has been given to us within. For us to prosper within. But the one that I want to highlight is the prophesying. It said it's, it's been given to you according to your faith, to your level of faith. So you can't prophesy beyond your level of faith. I'll tell you what prophesying is in a minute. But you can't prophesy beyond your level of faith. So to the much that you know, that's how much you prophesy. And I'm not sure, but there are, you know, there are places where, um, okay, uh, people prophesy and they feel like, well, um, there's something taking over me, you know, you're shaking. You don't have to shake to prophesy. <laughs> okay. You don't have to be out of your mind to prophesy. You actually prophesy in accordance with your faith. Are you still here? It's true. And prophesying is not witch hunt. It's for the building of God's church. Don't forget it. It's for the building of God's church. It's not to embarrass you. It's like saying, well, um, you know, the spirit told me, Teresa, I'm not sure where you were last night, but... Do you think that will build up Teresa? No, it won't build her up. It will embarrass her. So in other words, that is not in accordance with God's word. So you're not prophesying, you're prophesying. <laughs> Praise God. And you cannot prophesy outside God's word. Your word would need to be in accordance with what God has said. So number one. To prophesy is to speak words of power to either foretell events or bring forth God's word into a situation in the now. 
And words of power are filled with God's ability. So what's word of power? How do you speak words of power? All right, in James chapter 5, verse 16, in the Amplified Translation, it says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in his working. Can you put up the Amplified Translation? Verse 16, it says, Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your fault steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Okay, that's 16a. I'm concerned with 16b. All right. Say, the earnest, heartfelt, continued, so it's not one of, all right? It's continued prayer of a righteous man and woman, so a righteous person, makes tremendous power available, which is dynamic and is working. So the word dynamic, in other words, it keeps reproducing itself. Are you still here? It keeps reproducing itself. So it's more like you started off and it continues to drive itself. From the word, the, the word dynamic is from the word dynamo, from physics, which is a power. When you started off the first time, it keeps reproducing itself. It gains momentum as it goes. Are you still here? Yeah. And it's also from the word dunamis, which is power. All right. So it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman, a righteous person. Who is a righteous person here? Okay, a few hands. All right. Yes, I am. Who is not a righteous person here? Uh, no one. Even those who didn't put up their hand the first time. What are you then? Okay, but don't forget we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that righteousness has been given to us as a gift. We didn't have to work for it. Are you still here? We didn't have to work for it. So that's another message. I think we've talked about that in the past. But it said, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, which keeps on working. So in other words, there is power in their prayer. There is power in their prayer which keeps on working. All right. Let's leave that alone in a minute. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Let's see what Jesus said here. See, your words have the dynamic ability to cause changes. It has. It has. Because if James said the righteous person's prayer has the dynamic ability to cause changes, then that means your word has the same power to cause changes. It has. My words have power to cause changes. Now, here's what Jesus said in verse 33. He said, either make the tree good, healthy and good, and its fruit sound, healthy and good, or make the tree rotten, diseased and bad, and its fruit rotten, diseased and bad, for the tree is known and recognized and judged by its fruit. True? It's true. The fruit is known and recognized by its fruit. Would you get um, corn from a mango tree? No, you won't. It's not possible. But when you see corn under a mango tree, you don't look up. You look around where is the, you know, the plant itself. Praise God. 
But when you see mangoes fall from a mango tree, of course, you won't be surprised. You know, that, that's what it is. It's about your fruit. You shall know them. So that's what he's saying. The fruit is recognized, or the tree is recognized by the fruit. Verse 34. So he was talking to a particular set of people, okay, who were so hard-hearted, and he called them, you offspring of vipers. Oh, wow. But here's what he said. He said, how can you speak good things when you are evil? When you are wicked, how can good things come out of you when the only thing that comes out of you is wickedness? So how can? It's not possible. And then he goes, for out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because you can't speak what you don't have. You only speak what you've got. You either have God's word or you don't. And when you've got to speak against anything, you either speak God's word or you don't. You speak something completely different. So he says, out of Go back, 34. He said, for out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And in verse 35, it says, the good man, the good person from his inner good treasure. Oh, did you see that? So I like the word treasure because you have been filling in and filling in and filling in and storing up. Just like you're storing up now. And that's that's the thing because you cannot bring out if you have not stored in. And that's, about the way, that, that's the reason Jesus said, hey, keep studying the word. Psalm chapter 1 says, that person who meditates on God's word is like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. He says, his tree shall not wither. Whatsoever they do prospers. Why? Because they are full of God's word. All right? It's true. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. He said, meditate on it day and night. Say, through that you shall have good success. You shall make your way prosperous. Hallelujah. So it is enough for us to keep depositing, investing into ourselves God's word. Why? Because Jesus said the good man from his inner good treasure flings forth. He's not even reserving it. He says he flings it. How do you want it? There you go. (laughs) Praise God. He said, he flings forth good things, and the evil man out of his inner evil storehouse flings forth evil things. So if you don't have God's word, what have you got to fling out? Your fear, your frustration, how things don't work for you, regardless of how much you do. Because that's what you've stored in yourself. That's what your mind has helped you settle inside yourself. You are thinking, oh, I don't have anything. If you have a poverty mentality, you will not be far from poverty. Are you still here? It's true. If you have a sickness mentality, you will not be far from sickness. Sickness will always hang around you. Because every time you have a little headache, you overblow it. It's true. It's true. You go to school, school that millions and billions of people have gone through. You are going and saying this is too difficult. It will be difficult. Why? Because that's what you've stored inside. I don't understand this particular subject. You start your classes with that, I don't understand. That's what will happen. Because a good man, out of the inner good treasure, brings forth what is good. And an evil person, out of the inner evil storehouse, flings out what is evil. 
So when we talk about evil, it's not just bad things. I'll show it to you in a minute. It's not just bad things. Tell someone it's not just bad things. Now, in the context of this scripture, evil is something that is not in accordance with God's word. Okay? Now, let's look at it. Verse 36. So, but I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give account for every idol. Did you see the definition of evil now? All right? So, the definition of evil is idol, inoperative, non-working word they speak. So is it an idle word that you speak? So an idle word is such a word that does not have potency, does not have power. Inoperative. It can't cause anything to happen. It's not operational. It's not functional. Non-working. Why did he say non-working? In other words, there are words that should work. And that's words that are full of power. Potent words. But he said, on the day of judgment, people will give account of every idle word that they speak, every inoperative word that they speak, every non-working word that they speak. Quite interesting, isn't it? So first, that establishes that there is such a thing as words of power. Because if there is inoperative, uh, inoperable or inoperative words or non-working word, then there is also Working word, functional word, word full of power, words that can cause changes. When we prophesy, we are speaking words of power that affects our bodies, our lives, our families, our finances, our community, our church, our nation. When we prophesy, we are speaking for working word. We are speaking for working word. All right? Okay, for, for example, look at this scripture, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10, very quickly. And while you are looking at that, also look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Isaiah 55, verse 10. It says, for as the rain and snow come down from the heavens and return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. All right? It says, so shall my word be. Are you still here? It says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect. Useless. But it shall accomplish that which I please and propose and shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. Who's speaking? That was God. All right? Say, so, but that's God speaking. That's not me. But first and foremost, God is establishing here that whatever he says is operative. It's full of power. It's full of dynamis. Right? He says, it has to produce. He says, it will not return back to me without producing any effect. It cannot return back useless. It's got to do what I sent it to do. Did you get that already? Did you get that? Great. Ephesians chapter 5, verse, verse 1. Praise God. What did it say here? Can we all read this together? One to go. Therefore, be imitators of God. Ah, hold on, hold on. Did you see that? See, in chapter 55, verse 10, it says, as the rain comes down, and it talks about God's power and the effectiveness of his word. 
All right? And then we could just relax there and go, well, but that's God. You know, whatever he does is great. But then in chapter 5, verse 1 of Ephesians, he's saying, so therefore be imitators of God. He said, copy him and follow his examples. So if he speaks working word, what do you have to speak? Working word. If he speaks words of power, and when you copy him, you can only but speak words of power. Praise God. It's true because until we understand that, we will always be on our back foot thinking God has not done something. But God has given you the power. He said the words is in your mouth. Oh, come on. Say to someone, it's in your mouth. It's in your mouth. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. What does it say? The word, God's message in Christ is near you. On your lips and in your heart, that is the word, the message, the basis and object of faith, which we preach. The word is in your mouth. It's in your mouth. You see, as you're receiving God's word, faith is being deposited inside of you. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that the things around you ought not to be so. Ought not to be so. You can use your words to change the course of your life. You can Speak according to God's word. Don't speak your own words. Speak according to God's word. What has he said about you? I'm born of God. Greater is he that is in me. You understand than he that is in the word. He said, beloved, now are we the children of God. Although it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shows up, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The word of faith is in your mouth. And that is prophesying. Building up your life. It has to start with you. You can't build up another person's life when your life is still in shatters, right? You build yourself up. Hallelujah. You build yourself up. The Bible says building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. But at the, at the same point, you prophesy to yourself. These things are, have been going bad, but from today onward, I'm seeing progress in the name of Jesus. I'm seeing progress. When you look at God's word, personalize it. Personalize it. You know, you hear scriptures like, they that wait upon the Lord. Oh, no, let, let's go to Psalm 27. Okay, Psalm 27, verse 1. What did it say? Okay, hold. Did it say, the Lord will be my light? So when you are going through dark situations in your life, what should you be saying? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Can, can you see it? That is a prophecy given to you. You don't even need to retranslate it. That's yours. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Or whom shall I dread? The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He said, when the wicked. He didn't say, if the wicked. Did you hear that? He didn't say if the wicked. He said when the wicked. In other words, the wicked will try. They will try. The time is coming when they will try. He said, but when they, the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled. He didn't say they will stumble. He said they stumbled and fell. So it's not a promise. It's a declaration of fact. So whenever anything is happening to you and you prophesy this over your life, what do you think will happen? The wicked, the enemies, whatever that thing represents, will fulfill the gospel. Amen. Are you still here? Yes. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I wish I could keep going. Praise God. But God is good. 
Say to someone, you are a person of prophecy. So learn how to speak over your life. Words of power. Oh, hallelujah. There are more, there are more, there are more that we can go through. But let's start with words of power this morning. Are you ready to speak words of power over your life? Can you stand on your feet and speak words of power over your life? I am what God say I am. I am above and not beneath. Greater is he that is in me. Things might not seem to be working well, but that's the end of it. Because from today onward, my life is turning for the better. I belong to God. He is my rock and my fortress. In him I hide. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came against me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. They stumbled and they fell. There is no power, there is no divination against Israel. Hallelujah. Because I'm above and not beneath. Oh, I belong to the one who is from above. That is above all. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Speak words of power. Words of power will put you above. Hallelujah. For a moment, open your eyes. For a moment, look at it. Can I ask you that every time you speak words, be intentional about the words that come out of your mouth. What did Jesus say? Say on the day of judgment, every idle word, every non-working word, every inoperative word that you speak, you give account. So why did he say you, you give account? In other words, I've given you the ability to speak words of power. So how come you're still speaking words that aren't working? So, so you give account. So can I say every time you want to approach a situation or speak into a situation, think first. What am I about to say? Is this in line with God's word? Is it in line with God's word? I'm God's child. I belong to God. So instead of crying, oh God, this is not working. Say, in the name of Jesus, it works for me. It works for me. You are changing for my good. I belong to God. You are changing for my good. There is nothing too good for you. Because God has given you everything you ever need for life and godliness. In Jesus' name. Lift up your hands and just worship him. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. What a word, Lord. We bless your name for, you, for the word we've just received tonight. Oh, come on. The more we get the revelation of your word, the more empowered we are. We thank you for empowering us this morning. We thank you because as we walk away, those words have fallen in fertile parts of our hearts. It will grow and germinate and yield fruits in the name of Jesus. And everything that tries to challenge us, every word that is working will only come out of us in the name of Jesus. Words of power, dunamis will come out of us at all times. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, oh God, for any time we find ourselves speaking non-working words, you will whisper into our hearts, you will whisper unto our ears to stop right there and change and turn around and start to speak working words. In the name of Jesus. We give you thanks. We bless your name for an amazing week ahead. It's a blessed one. We will have testimonies uh, to share the next time we come together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. 
For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.